Welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is Thomas DeClerc, and we're recording live from the Ross School of Business once again. I'm here with Alex Perez-Garcia, or APG if you want, Vivek Shakinetti, and today we're going to be talking about our very impressive dual degree students at Ross. We have a great group of five very different dual degrees joining us, so we're super excited about that. Thanks, Thomas. Before we get started, we want to encourage you to get in touch. We always love engaging with our listeners, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. Again, that's bbupodcast at umich.edu. Follow us on Instagram at Ross underscore BBU. Again, that's at Ross underscore BBU. And feel free to DM us in there as well. Ask us any questions, suggest episode topics, or just say hello. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some of your messages and answering any questions you have. I'm really also excited about today's episode because I myself am also a dual degree. So let's get started. Handing it over to Vivek. Okay, so let's bring in our guests here. Would each of you mind just introducing yourself quickly? Let's talk about your background before Ross, what dual degree you're in, what you're involved in, and what you hope to do after Ross. Hi, um, I'm David Parker. Um, prior to Ross, I was in product marketing, and I came to Michigan to study product design at the School of Information and added on my MBA. And so what I'm hoping to get into post-MBA is product design, which kind of overlaps with product management. Hi, I'm uh, Jack Weikamp. Um, but before Ross, I was a construction finance analyst at Intel and then came back to grad school to pursue my JD in the law school here in Michigan and then added on the MBA after my first year. And uh, yeah, after... Ross and law school. I'm hoping to be an attorney um, working in, in emerging companies and venture capital practice. Cool. Uh, I'm Victoria Jenkins. Before Ross, I was working in energy consulting in Toronto. I'm currently a dual degree with HERB, so that's an MBA and MS with the School for Sustainability. Post Ross, hoping to do corporate sustainability either at a CPG or a retailer. As for what I'm involved in, at Ross, there's a laundry list here. Uh, I'm a As we do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a director for Net Impact, Energy Club at Ross, MBSA, On the Bus, and then I'm also the careers chair over at the Sustainability School. I'm Chiuma Nidi. I'm an MD, MBA, dual degree. Um, before Ross, I was in clinical research studying Parkinson's disease. And then after that, I worked in operations at a startup. I hope to be an otolaryngologist or ENT after this. And later down the line, possibly work in hospital administration. Hi, everybody. I'm Alhan. I am originally from Pakistan. Before Ross, I have lived and worked in five different countries. I went to college in China, and that was a super exciting time. In terms of sectors, I've worked in education, economic research, and most recently, I worked in a business development role at a tech company. And since then, I started out at the policy school last year and then transitioned over to Ross this fall. And in terms of involvement on campus, I'm a GSI. So that means I'm uh, responsible for 75 undergrads at any given point in time, which on most days is great. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, In addition to that, I work on the Detroit Impact Project. So I'm a project lead with that. And uh, over at the Ford School, I direct a conference that we co-host with the University of Toronto. Uh, so that takes place in the Winter, I was about to say spring, but there is no concept of spring in Ann Arbor. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, I'm also the vice chair of the Ford School's version of what you would call student government or MBA council or whatever. So yeah, those are a few of the things. Very cool. We got six schools represented at this table, and that is actually massive. Um, so yeah, go blue, obviously. Uh, curious, since you all made your decision maybe at different times, 
What's the process like of deciding like, I'm going to go to business school or I'm going to do another degree. And then all of a sudden deciding I'm going to tack on another degree. I cannot get enough of Michigan, Ann Arbor. I want to do another one. Like, how did that work for you? Like, Victoria, can you tell us like what made you decide that and how that worked? Yeah, great question. So I actually originally came to school to just do my master's of science and sustainability. However, I took some cross-listed classes with Ross. And after taking those, it really made me realize, oh, maybe adding an MBA and an extra year in the charming Ann Arbor winter is a good <laughs> idea. So yeah, I think that's really what drove me to pursue the dual degree and apply as a mid-year. So quick plug, if you do want to apply as a mid-year to Herb, hit me up. I'm more than happy to tell you about that process. Yeah, so applying from the law school, I came to Michigan just to do law school, kind of similar to you. Um, and then I was kind of having a conversation with someone who was a JD MBA at some event that was a crossover between the two schools, which are really cool. They happen a lot. And uh, they were talking about how easy the process was. And I was always kind of interested in the JD MBA because it's got a lot of, you know, synergistic value to use a uh, obnoxious <laughs> business school word um, between the JD or the JD and the MBA. And this guy literally told me, like, it takes maybe 25 minutes to fill out the application, huh. and you don't have to take the GMAT. And me being terrible at mental math was like, this is my only way I'm ever going to get an MBA is if I kind of sneak in through the back door with an LSAT. So, yeah, it I took mean, you me, already like, did the LSAT. I feel like that's a tougher <laughs> back door, but all right. There's no mental math on the LSAT. It was, uh, it was a plus for me. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was really quick and easy. You literally just filled out, like, I described the application essay as, like, a tweak because it was very short. And, uh, yeah, it was quick and easy, and now I'm here. That is true. The Ross application is a lot shorter than the other school that I was at before. I think the Ross application in general, like compared to other business schools, is probably one of the shorter ones mm -hmm. there, which means you have less ways of yeah. standing out as well. So like mm -hmm. pros and cons. Yeah, I would add to that briefly and just say that that actually makes it tougher because then you're really like thinking about what you're going to say uh, in that limited short period of time. But just to kind of piggyback all of those ideas as well, I also applied round three to Ross. I was actually going to go to the School of Information first. And then I was like, no, hold on a minute. And I think what makes it interesting is also that I literally only know one other international student who's a dual degree. And I think like that for us is such a challenge. And it, I think something that we don't talk about enough is that even in the future of work, there is a lot of like color that people from different backgrounds can bring in terms of perspective, in terms of you know, logistical barriers being overcome. And that is very tough for internationals to navigate. And so I really kind of want to like throw my hat in there to one, make the most of the opportunities at this fantastic institution, because you literally, I don't think there's any other institution besides Berkeley, perhaps, which has most graduate programs ranked in the top 10 or top five. And I think I just uh, really got sucked into that. And then I thought more about where I wanted to be and business school made more sense. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners and then for potential recruiters who are listening to this <laughs> podcast. We have a policy leader, we have doctors, we have future corporate sustainability leaders, lawyer, future designers. So, you know, we've got a really employable group here. <laughs> um, and that's actually a tee up to my next question. How do you think the dual degree really has differentiated your experience and added value to your overall experience here at the University of Michigan. Yeah, I, I, I can jump in on this one because you don't really see that many duels from the School of Information and business and studying technology are related, but they're very different. Um, and so at the School of Information, we learned all about like design and I'm on the UX design track. So it's all about like how to make stuff about creativity and understanding the technology. Um, but what I saw is that they didn't really teach us 
how to place that contextually within the organization once we had built the product. And talking to some people at Ross and some people who are on the PM track here, I saw that, okay, we could learn the creative process and how to build it, but Ross would help us leverage and navigate the corporate environment once we did. So I think the learnings here have supported that. I think I had a similar experience to David where in medical school, you kind of focus on you and the patient and diagnosing and treating them. But healthcare at the end of the day is a business. And Mm -hmm. contrary to popular belief, we don't learn any of that in medical school. So (laughs) you get hired and you just know, go into the patient room, treat the patient, but you don't know all the other interactions outside of that. Um, So for me, I found that very frustrating because I kept on seeing like the systems are not working. You know, there's a lot of different interactions, all different factors. And I was like, I don't understand this. And how am I going to be a good clinician if I can't also help from like a broader perspective? If I were to be a bit preachy, I would say that (laughs) even in like Ann Arbor, it's very easy to validate whatever opinion you come from. And I think that's not a great perspective to have in life broadly, because at any stage you want to be challenged and be thinking about, okay, if I am going down this line of thought, is it really impacting or is it really helping the people I'm trying to think about? And I think that duality, especially from the policy perspective and the business perspective, we tend to think of it as a massive tension. And yes, there might be, but there's also a lot of overlap. So the question you're asking yourself at business school is always like, what is the number like, are you impacting 1,000, 2,000 people in your role versus mm-hmm. are you canvassing or are you making a policy for a specific individual or demographic? And I think tying those ideas together or even separating them sometimes to then challenge your own thinking is very important. And I think that's what's contributed a lot to my learning, at least in these this past year, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I would really echo that. The Herb Institute, I view as such a bridge between sustainability and business. I mean, the mission of the school is to drive sustainability through the power of business. And one thing I love about C's is the diversity of thought. There's eight different specializations you can go into. So you can really become a subject matter expert in ecosystem science, renewable energy, environmental policy, geospatial data science. So marrying that with what you learn in MBA core and just being here at Ross in the environment, I just think is very powerful. Yeah, so the law school, it's its interesting because you spend all your time focusing on kind of what the law is, understanding how you actually practice as an attorney. But you don't spend a whole lot of time actually focused on your clients and what they need. And a lot of folks are coming out of Michigan, you're going to go into corporate law and your clients are going to be businesses. So if you don't really understand or, you know, it's tough to understand what their needs are, speak their language and kind of get that insight. So Ross is really beneficial to kind of have that more customer focused orientation coming out of law school than you get just doing it alone. Really cool. Um, Jack, I want to ask you, since you were talking already, and you're not allowed to say because we have a prettier library, but what would you say is the <laughs> biggest difference between like law school, Ross, and then, you know, everyone else, like your school and Ross, like I'm sure there's cultural differences. There's maybe teaching methods that are different. Like what would you call out? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's the way you learn in the law school is completely different than the way you learn in Ross. So Ross is obviously a lot of group work, a lot of group cases. You're talking with your section mates all the time and kind of learning from their experiences because everyone comes with some kind of unique experience they did between undergrad and Ross for the most part. That's not necessarily the case over in the law school. You have a lot of people who we call KJDs, which would be kindergarten through JD. You've been in school. Um, which oh my I, gosh. I feel very well. That's so sad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we have a lot of those at the Ford School as well, so I understand. Ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. I wish we had a name for that. That's brutal. 
Yeah, but it's, it's funny because, like, you come in, you have people who I worked for four years, but you have people who are 22 years old and, you know, they've never actually had a job before. They don't have that worldly experience and you can't really, you still gain a lot from their different perspective, obviously, but you're not getting the the person who raises their hand in marketing. It's like, well, I was actually at company Y when they launched product X. Mm. So that's a really unique thing you get from Ross is you're learning a lot from your peers. But by contrast, the law school is very much so an, an individual learning experience. Like you are sitting there reading your casebook late into the night. You're the one who's getting cold called for 15 minutes in front of all your classmates, which does not happen in Ross. I'm really enjoying <laughs> avoiding that. You do learn a little bit more from like the back and forth in class, like argumentative structure of law school. Like someone will say, I think the tort system should be like this. And then you'll have a debate and people suddenly really care about, you know, what should happen with tort law and it's like not a thing most people have an opinion on. You get really fired up. You should talk. You know, it's a, it's a Clearly, whole thing. I might develop an opinion on it. Strict liability <laughs> negligence, but uh, it's weird. Like you'll end up with people who get really, really, really sucked into super specific topics, and then will write like a forty-page law review note on it. Like they really care about a really niche area of law. Whereas I think Ross makes you a little bit more well-rounded because you're getting all these different perspectives from people who've done completely different things. For sure, yeah. Before I kick it to the rest of the panel, just as someone who's taking a federal taxation class, which is like half business school, half law school people, the difference is visible sometimes. Like there's definitely the raw students will speak up a little bit faster, but then have the wrong answer. And then the law school will be like, actually. <laughs> so yeah, quick shout out, Prof D. Um, I will see you tonight at 7 p.m. for federal taxation. <laughs> I think I can like step into that. And I don't want to take up too much space in that this conversation as well. But I just want to say, I think the age bit I would like to hone in on because I feel like there's a lot of age diversity at Ford where you have people right out of undergrad versus people who are also much older. So we have like 40 year olds or, you know, like some people who are parents or um, not just of infants or babies, but like have children who are going to college and stuff. And I think like that range is very interesting, uh, but it can limit the type of conversation you're having in class. And I feel like a lot with a lot of my Ross classmates, at least, especially who are duals, I am friends with quite a few herbers now. I feel like they're genuinely people I look up a lot to in life because I feel like that humility that they have as a consequence of the experiences is something that you don't see <laughs> too much of. But also more directly, like, answer your question. I feel at the Ford School Sometimes I think we do go into issues in a lot more depth. Uh, at, at the business school, for example, sometimes I'm really frustrated in some classes because it's like you're trying to standardize something that's very obviously complex, but you're trying to come up with a solution for, okay, how are we going to hone in on it? And that requires a degree of generalization, which we also push back against. But the Ford School, it's always going to be like, hold on a minute. Like, what do you mean by that? And you have to qualify everything you say. So I think that is also a good life skill to adopt. And I think that's an interesting kind of back and forth that we're always in. I think what I've noticed the difference between the two schools that I'm in, um, med schools by the nature of it is more like objective. So you're in class and you get lectured at and there's not really room for, well, I really don't think, you know, mitochondria is a powerhouse of the cell. There's not like that back and forth <laughs> oh, that you're wow. going to have with a professor. <laughs> that was a yeah. <laughs> Sorry for that. Uh, whereas like in business school, it's definitely more um, subjective. So there's a lot more dialogue and back and forth, which brings in a lot of different opinions and like worldview which is something that I was kind of craving in medical school. And I wasn't able to get that even while we were discussing like more social things or things outside of um, strictly medicine. 
I think something that doesn't get brought up a lot is the quarter system versus mm. semester long. So oh, coming from yeah. C's, I know Ford is similar. I'm not sure yeah. about the others, but uh-huh. we take three credits. We're in a class for the entire semester. So uh-huh. we really do, like you were saying, dive into the content mm-hmm. 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 and the pace is a little more reasonable, I would say, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Than, maybe than fall A or fall B. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that kind of speaks to Ross makes you more of a generalist versus I would say C's makes you more of a specialist in a Mm -hmm. certain area. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. um, I would echo a lot of these notions. And I I, I think that one thing that I find distinctly unique about Ross is how much happens outside of the classroom. Mm. Um, Whereas the school of information, a lot of people coming in, they're coming to learn some really hard skills. Like Mm -hmm. they want to learn how to be a great coder or they mm-hmm. want to learn like their design skill set or their research skill set. Whereas at Ross, you know, in our classes, we do pick up some great skills, but there's a lot going on outside of classes all the time. I mean, we're here making a podcast right now <laughs> at the Ross School, um, for example. But there's a lot of different clubs and a lot of different conferences and networking to get involved with. And so it just creates a more holistic environment, I would say. I'll just add one more point to that. I think that if I would just to say like one bit about Ross that I think we as a cohort and especially with us duals, we could add more thinking towards is some of the accessibility needs. And I feel like any time to take out of class stuff, especially like if you're doing the bus or if you're doing like the skeeps happy hours or if you're going to various things, you're dropping like 25 bucks for literally anything you want <laughs> to do. And I think that like sometimes we don't think about it because the other day, I was sitting with a Ford friend of mine and he is a GSI and he mentioned, yeah, you know, like this is the most money I've ever earned in my life. And that comes close to less than $30,000 a mm-hmm. year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at the business school, especially those who are just MBAs, I feel like have had very well established careers prior to Ross. And that like that doesn't become the predominant sentiment that, oh, you know, you have to do this. But something mm-hmm. to think about, especially because like the first time you're exposed to your business school classmates is like Amtrak which is great but it's like expensive yeah 1500 bucks you know like if you don't have that saved up or if you're not coming from a specific background you get priced out and then who is exactly getting that Ross experience is also a question to think about Mm -hmm. no it's and I think that's where the policy hat probably comes in speaking off the cuff here I mean that kind of underscores Jack your earlier point is that what I've appre- I'm also a dual degree. I didn't introduce myself to the podcast community. I'm also a master of public policy and MBA like Alhan. And one thing that I've appreciated is the diversity of perspective that I've been able to tap into both communities and the diversity of life experience, to mm-hmm. be honest. I think that it's very easy to get in an MBA bubble. And what I've appreciated is at the very least having access to the Ford School community forces you to mm-hmm. get out of that MBA bubble in a way that is more realistic to the broader world and then helps you be a better business leader and mm-hmm. make better business decisions that actually map onto the experiences of everyday people. Because yeah. the consumers of business products are everyday people, also MBAs, but <laughs> most of the time it's just everyday people buying a yeah. Swiffer or something, whatever we're talking about yeah, in, in marketing. <laughs> That's like everyday people buying that. So oh, I remember yeah. that class so well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I actually really like my Swiffer, so I'm biased. <laughs> this is not an ad for Swiffer. Swiffer did not sponsor this podcast. Not but yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Room for opportunity. If you're listening. If you're listening. <laughs> we would love your money. <laughs> um, curious, like when you talk about, you know, you're, 
different dual degrees. And then I'm, I'm just an MBA. So I'm like, you know, not at all as exposed as you are to the different schools in, in Michigan. But what I am doing is taking some electives outside of Ross. And like, for me, that's kind of a way to explore different topics. People that do that, what do you feel like they should be focusing on when they try out things outside of the Ross walls? I would say talk to your classmates more than anything. Um, I've long been an advocate over at the law school that we should meet more MBAs because it's just super beneficial for us. Like you guys are all going to do great things. And I'm sure there's a lot of lawyers over there that would love to have you as clients. But beyond that, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, starting early on. Just the show <laughs> are you implying we're going to do illegal things? No, 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 no. It's, a, it's just good to have counsel. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a lawyer. But uh, I, I think really just talking to your classmates and whatever class you're in, if you're, you know, taking like, Probably can't take a class over the med school if you're just an MBA. That'd be kind probably of, kind of strange. But you know, if, if you're taking a class over at a different graduate program, like just talk to the people, figure out what they're doing with their career. Add them on LinkedIn. Like get their phone number. Go hang out a couple times because people are going to end up in all different walks of life here and just five years after graduation. And you never know when that's going to be, you know, really cool, really beneficial for you down the line. I think forming those connections with people who are going to do really elite things at really elite levels early is just super cool and really mm -hmm. a unique a unique benefit of coming to Michigan. Mm -hmm. I'd also say, you know, try to push yourself outside your comfort zone. So if there's a class that has a skill set you're going to learn there that you know, like five years down the line, you're not going to pick up on or it's going to be really difficult to. So just like take that coding class, for example, you're here, might as well do it. Um, and just kind of like get that skill set while you're here because you're probably not going back to grad school again. So be a good thing to kind of try. Mm-hmm. I think I can do a quick pitch for where I live, which will tie to this very quickly, which is I live in a co-op with 32 other housemates and wow. almost all of them are graduate students in different disciplines. So we have like dinner together usually at 7 p.m. Uh, and someone cooks and you help them out, etc. And during those conversations, there'll be someone who's like a string theory PhD, one at the math department, one at the physics department. There'll be someone who's a PhD at the School of Information. There are a bunch of people, a lot of like people from seas and like just the level of conversation is so interesting. <laughs> and it like you're, you're just trying to like see which conversation I can follow or be part of. But what it does to you is that it makes you think about the fact that regardless of the problem you're solving, there's a lot you can learn from, mm -hmm. you know, any type of approach you're taking, whether that's like a coder's brain or like a physicist's brain. And I think then if you start talking to them, you get really plugged into the UMish community because then you're like, oh, go to this talk or go to this event or this professor's office hours. Mm -hmm. And you just begin to realize how accessible everything is. And I think that connection is so important because I don't think we'll ever be in a place that's this rich per capita in terms mm -hmm. of ideas ever again. Uh, so if we think about it that way, I think it'd be very fascinating to kind of tap into that. Yeah, there's definitely plenty of people and excellence here. <laughs> One thing I would plug is if you don't have the capacity in your schedule to take classes outside of Ross, seek out different social events mm -hmm. or talks outside of Ross too. Yes, there are clubs outside of clubs at Ross. Uh, they do exist. <laughs> there are other job talks. CEOs come in to other schools. So really, if you're remotely interested in anything, I know that Ford has a lot of talks like that. I know that Seas has a lot of talks like that from different environmental authors. So just kind of see what else is out there is what I'd really recommend if you can't fully commit to exploring academically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is University of Michigan in a nutshell. Now, <laughs> maybe if you could also talk about your career goals, how is that different from the rest of the MBA students and what does that look like? So 
I want to go into product design. And this is like specific, something I think about a lot because the track here that a lot of MBAs go down is product management. Um, and so coming mm. here, the question was, would I go down the product management track? And I've decided to still try to intern in product design and work my first role in product design and probably go into like the leadership path of product design. That would be the track versus PM. And I think that differs just from the point of view you work on the product with. I mean, both the product designer and the product manager are both working on the product, but from different angles. Uh, for me, I really just wanted to get really intimate with the creative process. I think it's funny, though, because down the line, 5, 10, 15 years, it might overlap again where I'm working alongside a lot of my MBA classmates. But that's kind of how the dual degree has kind of shaken up my plan a little bit. No, for sure. That's great. I can go next. Recruiting for a career with impact, as they call it here at Ross, is challenging. <laughs> um, it's off campus. It's nonlinear. I'm sitting in class and there are people going in and out for coffee chats with consultants and investment bankers. And I'm sitting here in my Patagonia wondering, am I doing something wrong for not doing that? Um, I think another challenge, which is what I really appreciate about the Herb community, is that support network is sustainability looks different at different companies. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. companies view it through the lens of brand management. Others view it through the lens of finance. And it's really challenging when you're trying to navigate that path off campus and try and figure out where do I fit in? And do you even have any roles for me in this function? Does this function even exist at your company? So that's something that is definitely really challenging to navigate as a dual degree. Mm -hmm. I think just echoing off that, because I think there's a very big overlap between the type of people who go to C's and I would say the Ford school as well. For sure. Uh, and just to kind of add to that, I'd say my immediate uh, career goal is pivoting towards consulting because I feel like one, I don't have that toolkit quite yet. And two, uh, I haven't had that breadth of industry, even if it's like sustainability, is it like carbon neutrality? Is it like reducing emissions? There's so much you can do. But having said that, I am Pakistani and I feel like part of me feels this insane amount of guilt anytime like let's say something happens back home like right now we have uh, impacts from the flooding where over a third of the country is underwater and it's very easy to kind of shut down that part of your brain but it also makes you think of your privilege and I think in that sense um, I think what Ross or the University of Michigan does for someone like me is that provides me this insane mobility that I do not have when if I stay back home you know and and, and that mobility comes from my education, the fact that, you know, I'm able to afford this education because of a GSI role, which I wouldn't be able to uh, had I been coming. Because most internationals, let's face it, in the U.S. Have come from a lot of money. Those who don't, you know, have a different life trajectory that they're kind of getting to. And I feel at some point in my life, I want to go back and do something. And what that looks like is a big question mark because you don't want to come from that perspective of, no, I've spent 20 years abroad, now I'm going to tell you what to do. <laughs> uh, but it's that challenge of how do you respectfully know where you come from, what your community is like, learn a set of tools and then go back and do something. So I think I'm navigating that and that's my short-term and long-term career pitch, cool. so to speak. Just a quick add on there. I'm also an international and navigating the U.S. job market just yeah. with eligibility is Absolutely. a whole other mm -hmm. challenge that's not even related to recruiting off campus. Yeah. That's just a challenge with being <laughs> an international. on top of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you'll look at a company, you'll go to all these coffee chats, you'll be really interested yeah. in them just for them to tell you, we will not sponsor you. Yeah. 
Which and, is a whole other barrier. And there's some really big companies that do that. And it kind of <laughs> really makes you think like you have all the capital in the world. Uh, you know, and like one of them, I'm not going to name it, uh, but they just like <laughs> laid off a bunch of people in some part of the world. And I was like, well, you wouldn't have had to do that if you were recruiting diverse talent. But here you are. So, yeah. yeah. Before I kick it over to the next question, I just want to, if anyone wants to have a guess, how many dual degrees Ross actually has established? Any guess? 15. I'm going to go 21. To 25. 12. 25. All right, if we're doing prices right rules, Victoria, you got it because it's 22. Whoa. Um, so that's yeah. actually, I didn't even, I couldn't even name all 22 probably. <laughs> I would have to look it up. But that is actually a lot of different. And we only have six here. What is say. this? I couldn't even name like seven before this oh. podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so curious, you know, the Ross MBA structure, very, very structured, like two years. You do an internship in the middle, you start off with your core classes, and then you start taking electives by the end. And somewhere in there, there's MAP as well. All of you decided that timeline doesn't work for me. I'm going to do a little bit different or a little bit longer when I'm specifically looking MD, MBA. That takes a long time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, so they let us do or we do three years and then we come to Ross or whatever dual degree you choose. I think there's a lot of tension, though, like we were talking about recruiting before between that internship period, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it almost feels as if if you wanted to try to do something different during that time while you're applying to residency, they might not view that as you being quote unquote focused, mm. which is like really unfortunate because ultimately that's just bringing like a diverse experience. And like mm. you would think that would help differentiate you as a candidate. But I think like we're still kind of working towards the field that is like what that looks like so like i'm not recruiting for example mm. but i have to do like internships for medicine mm -hmm. right mm. so so for the jd mba it's a four-year program um it's a little bit choose your own adventure a little bit structured you have to do the first year of mba courses just in one back-to-back -back four terms or quarters or two semesters whatever you <laughs> it is very confusing <laughs> translating between ross and the rest of michigan <laughs> And then uh, you do a full year of law school. And then the last two years, you can kind of choose how you work out the remaining credits you need. So for me, I did a year of law school doing a year of the MBA, then one more semester in the fall of Ross to get one more football season with the MBA. As you should. <laughs> you know, really maximizing my time mm. here and then three more of law school. But uh, it does really throw off recruiting a little bit um, for the law school. So generally speaking, if you're doing the normal three-year JD program, mm. you would interview for who's likely to be your ultimate employer in August before you start your second year, which is what I did in August. But then you have to find someone, a law firm that's going to hire you. That's going to be cool with you being an extra year before you come, oh. um, which generally looks like you coming there for two summers and being a summer associate right. and having a lot of fun and not doing, you know, <laughs> you know, pretending this is what your life will be like when you work full time. Um, so it makes it challenging is finding yeah. an employer who understands why your schedule is different and actually sees the value in the MBA, which you do kind of have to articulate it yourself and be like, yeah, this is how it can help me and help you. So it's a little bit, little bit more difficult, but wasn't too painful in my experience. I don't think we talk about that enough, just the multiple internships that you have. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they describe it as a benefit, but it's really mm -hmm. a double-edged sword and you have to be mm -hmm. very strategic about mm -hmm. the way you structure your internships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, absolutely. It completely changes. Like the universe of employers that are even willing to look at you when you're on a weird timeline <laughs> is quite a bit smaller because, you know, a lot of HR departments are like, I don't even want to think hard about this different thing. I'm just going to go you with You don't the fit normal. my box. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Putting yourself into the HR box is a challenge. It is. One thing I've noticed from friends who are also MD, MBA, and are recruiting is that they're having a hard time trying to convince future employers that they're serious. So if they want to go into consulting, for example, and they mention, the MD, it's almost like a, oop. Like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like we don't believe that y'all like stick with us because mm. if you were to do an internship, um, you would, you know, hopefully be hired afterwards. So they're a little bit more wary. So that's kind right. of like hard to balance. Like what do you not say that? Do you not mention that? But it's like a unique aspect to yourself as an applicant. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of trade-offs. Again, speaking off the cuff <laughs> as a dual when you're navigating that, especially with careers in social impact, mm-hmm. what they call it here is quote unquote, just in time recruiting oftentimes, mm-hmm. which essentially means for listeners and those who are still trying to understand how the business school recruiting process works. A lot of employers who do on-campus recruiting, they come here because of the breadth of talent, as we can see from the amazing panel. And often your internship has the potential to turn into a full-time offer, kind of like, Jack, what you were saying. But if you're doing um, policy work or social impact or just-in-time recruiting, there isn't always that direct connection. So yeah, I can totally understand those sort of trade-offs that you have to navigate when you're both planning not just your academic schedule, but then you're planning your recruiting schedule as well. I think it's also like to add to that, uh, it's also like your social schedule. So I think it's also because you're in your late 20s and there's so much, unless you're like a KJD. <laughs> you know, really or even if you are, but I feel like these are very precious years of your life and there's a lot happening vis-a-vis your family or you have stuff happening back home. You have your friends from back home or even here who like many of whom are getting married or someone starting their life and sometimes you have to miss it or sometimes you have to like calendar way in advance so you don't even have a day to mm-hmm. lose your like okay exams finished flying out coming back doing this I like literally have everything mapped out from November all the way through to like May next year because you're trying to you know do all of those things in your life and fit people who mean the most to you Uh, and I don't think I uh, that that ever happened I think before the MBA started I think at the Mm. policy school it was a bit chilled out but now like that time becomes so much more precious especially if you're recruiting and in the fall A, fall B, winter A, winter B map, whatever, uh, that you really uh, are very intentional about, okay, these are the people I will really spend time on. And some folks, I love you, but um, you will hear from me. I'd love to double click on that and hear from the rest of the panelists. They say that business school is a balance between three pillars, um, social, academic and professional. It's like the three-legged stool is, I think, what Ross calls it. What do each of your schedules look like? How do you balance it all? How do you manage it all? And Victoria, it seemed like you were about to jump in, so I can pass it to you to kick us off. I was just going to say, if there's no Google Calendar invite, odds are I will not show up. It doesn't <laughs> exist. No, no, What I've learned since starting, yeah. at, since starting at Ross, but balancing the schedule, it's really hard, especially with MBA core. I don't think I fully figured it out, if I'm being honest. Um, sees as something, it's basically an 18-month-long map. So mm-hmm. that's currently overlapping with MBA core. So I try and split my time. So I spend one to two days a week in the other school just mm-hmm. to have that presence 
to try and balance out the responsibilities that I have at C's while still trying to bond with my section and stay on top of all of the assignments. Um, I actually don't think I have an answer for this, if I'm being honest. I think it's something That's I'm working okay. out in real time. If anyone else has <laughs> tips, please help me out. We appreciate yeah. the vulnerability. I, I, I want to double click on this ambivalence for, 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 uh, for an answer. Um, I'm also, as Aha mentioned, uh, the GSI opportunity. I'm also a GSI for a graphic design course. And so that keeps me with one pinky in the school yeah. of information yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to balance. It's hard to, like, you know, do well enough in class make sure you go to the social things that will enrich you. For me, Mm -hmm. that's what I think about a lot. Like, who are the people I really want to build relationships and how can I go to those things? Mm -hmm. I think going to section meetups are really important. Mm -hmm. Going Mm -hmm. to game days, that's when you'll get to see everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think the tricky part is balancing professional along with that because with all our paths, there's probably a lot of recruitment and professional development that we need to do. So it's an ongoing journey, figuring Mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, notice that sleep is not one of the legs of the stool. <laughs> they don't. They don't put it on there. Yeah, they they literally don't. They're like, you got three choices. <laughs> That's not one of them. Yeah, the one thing that I found kind of difficult was whatever grad school you start is your first year, there's going to be a whole lot of, like, extracurricular things you can sign up and do. And, like, you're, I'm in grad school. There's all these cool opportunities. I'm going to do them all. And then you get to your second year. For me, that was Ross. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have no time left for any of these Ross mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. clubs. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of cool ones, obviously, like this. And I have no time for any of it. And really wishing that I would have maybe been a little more strategic in planning out what my commitments would be over the four years I'm here rather than just you know what's directly in front of me. Because there's a lot of cool stuff going on everywhere. And you kind of want to get a slice of everything. I feel that completely. Where, you know, you spend three years in medical school and then I come here and I'm like, I remember like the club fair and I was like, I wish I could, but I just in good faith can't commit myself to this anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's a struggle and it's a balance of like maybe just kind of putting my all into one club while I'm here. Then you also have like responsibilities back at your other school and they feel like they're always like fighting with each other in terms of who's going to get my time like in the present moment. I would uh, quote RBG here. And in like this, this, it was about women though, but I think it applies in a different context, which is that she said that you can do everything, but you can't do everything at the same time. And I think that's where being a dual really kind of helps us out a bit because I feel like at, while the business school kind of thing is, oh, you need to choose between social recruiting and then academics. But at the same time, we also get one extra year or like two extra years, depending on what you're doing. Uh, so like, for example, I know my Ford friends will be graduating in May. So I want to like kind of spend more time with them. But at the same time, as the relationships at business school kind of develop a bit of a slower pace, but definitely developing. So I get another year with them. So like I haven't mm-hmm. been to a bus yet, unfortunately. I really need to put that in. But like I know that that's also going to be there next year, you know. Right. So it's right. like so it's it's like, you know, that kind of balancing act. And I think when... In terms of being a dual, we are very lucky because you can do all of those things, probably not at the same time, but you can do all of those things. Mm-hmm. I have a little to-do list for my third year. Exactly. Where I'm like, I'm going to do Story Lab. I'm yeah. going to do mm-hmm. Legacy Lab, all these little yeah. things yeah. that unfortunately the deadline came yeah. and went. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I Come wish back. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Or football season tickets. Like, oh, you know. Yeah. So. yeah, I'm thinking... Um, you know, as someone who's graduating in a couple months already, it's flying by. Oh. I'm you're you're inspiring me to maybe do a dual degree and stick it around for another <laughs> year. You know, why not? 
Before we wrap it up, I kind of want to ask all of you, like, what would be your one piece of advice? If you're considering your specific dual degree, what would you tell that person? I can start. Identify your non-negotiables mm-hmm. at each school. So, for example, CS has a campfire that they put on every year, and mm-hmm. that was a non-negotiable for me this semester. Like, I needed to set aside the time, whatever was going on in the Ross bubble, that's an event I want to go to for the community. Mm-hmm. So if you really are trying to balance that tension between the two schools, you, like you were mm-hmm. mentioning, it's very real. So take a step back before the quarter starts or the semester and really say, what are the few things that I really, really want to do at each school this semester? And make sure that you really commit to that. Mm-hmm. I think I would say to be present. So when you, for us, we leave all of our med school classes and rotations so when we're here at ross we're here at ross um just while you're here really soak up the time and the opportunities that are here instead of kind of like looking back of oh what else could i be doing for x y and z Mm -hmm. that might affect you two years down the line just be focused on the time you have at ross really take advantage of all the different opportunities because you won't get that year again I think I would say just be ready to say no to things. Like there's just there's physically not enough time in the day to do everything you're going to want to do doing a dual degree, and that comes with the territory. You got to be ready to say, you know, there's a M-Trek I'm not going to be able to go to because I'm on this journal or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is you're going to want to do. There's just no way to cram it all in, and you have to be comfortable with that. You're going to have a little bit different Ross experience. You're going to have a little different mm-hmm. experience than you're going to have in your other program because you're doing both, and it's just there's going to be compromises, and that's an unfortunate truth. But you have to be cool with it. Yeah, we gladly said yes to this, though. I mean, this <laughs> <laughs> is the one thing I've said yes to all year. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say like two different perspectives. Like one, I'd say for like someone thinking about doing the dual degree from the School of Information, weren't a lot of examples out there of people who had done it before, and so it took a lot of thinking and talking to people. Like, can I make this happen? Like, should I do this? And I would say to that person, do it. I mean, if, it's, if you're thinking about it, go for it. I mean, it's definitely going to pay off. You got to see the vision. Um, and I would say for the person in the seat right now, it's hard for me to come up with advice because I'm figuring it out. Um, but I would plus one from what you said, like be comfortable with customizing your experience. It's not going to look like anyone else's. And so you're going to have to choose what you get invested in and, and what you trade off. Uh, but be comfortable being in like the CEO seat of your educational experience. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can like top that off. But <laughs> this is like, uh, but I think it like for us at the Ford School, it's the opposite of that. Like in terms of numbers, so we have a decent amount of stream of people who do it every year, and I wouldn't be here without them. Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful to all of them. And I think what I would say and is. Twofold. I think the first bit of it, and this is advice that someone who was in these shoes last year gave to me, who's graduated now, and she said that you want to be very intentional about what you want to get out of your experience as mm-hmm. a dual degree. Mm-hmm. That can be anything. It can mean very different things for different people, but you must have a sense of why you are adding on that extra year. And knowing that, I think, really makes the difference between the type of people you get to know, how you spend your time, what you prioritize, what you don't prioritize, and everything else that comes with it. Giving that piece of advice, I'll also say something very contrarian, which then is that be ready to be proven wrong. Uh, Because you may be like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. This is Mm -hmm. perfect for me. And then Mm -hmm. it'll be like, no, actually, this kind of sucks. And But you have that extra year to then be like, okay, if I don't like this, this is what I can also do. 
And I think like that is a unique advantage and make the most of it uh, would be my advice. And really lean in onto your network because literally people make the time to meet you. And if you do, then you want to be able to ask them the right questions and be honest in taking that advice. And don't always come in with the perspective of, oh, I need my opinion validated. You need your opinion to be refined. And that requires a level of challenge uh, at every stage of your life. Yeah, and then maybe like the advice that I gave the first years during orientation this year, but probably even more applicable for you all is there's going to be 20 things happening at all times of every single day. Mm -hmm. If you're going to miss 19 of them because you were going to go to one, you might as well miss 20 and, you know, take a night off. It's really, really fine to just sometimes take a breather. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was one of those first years. So that's <laughs> <very cool>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I really... The theme that I'm hearing is really identifying that North Star and using the dual degree to be that lily pad, that little star lily pad towards that broader <laughs> North Star. I can paint a little image for our listeners. So to close us out, thank you so much to our panelists for being here today. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Today's episode was produced by Thomas, Vivek, and myself, Alex Perez-Garcia, or APG. Executive producers of BBU are Bob Needham, Thomas DeClerc, Michaela Terrell, Preston Hill, and Eugenia Collins. Special thanks to Jonah Brockman, who did our editing today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go blue, and this is Business Beyond Usual. Business Beyond Usual.